streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com. Your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. On Saturday, Baylor had a home game, hosted Kansas State in arguably the biggest game of the season thus far. Both teams came into the game 6-3, and three, both with a 4-2 and two conference record. They were tied along with Kansas for number two in the Big 12. And given the state of affairs in the conference, this was this was a key game in deciding who would end up getting that second spot into the Big 12 championship game to play TCU. TCU and Texas played later on in the day. Baylor came out and they had a, a an okay very start to the game. They were they were able to stop Kansas State on its first drive on a fourth and six in Baylor territory, and then moved the ball a little bit on there on the Baylor offense's first drive. But Adrian Martinez got injured in the first quarter, and then Will Will Howard came in for the Wildcats offense. And after Will Howard came in, the Kansas State offense just exploded. Baylor couldn't really stop the passing game or the running game with Deuce Vaughn and ended up losing 31-3 to in a lopsided game. What happened, Andrew? Uh, the Bears just didn't really play good football, Pernay. That's, uh, that's all there was to it. I think a few things um, went into that, but at the end of the day, they just – didn't do much of anything to get the job done. That's something that Dylan Doyle really stressed after the game and the, in the post game interviews that just uh, no way to sugarcoat it. They just didn't play good football. Um, that's, that's what he said. I agree with him. I think everybody would agree with him. That's, this is probably their worst, uh, worst game since 2020 against Oklahoma state. Um, you know, the worst performance that they've, that they've turned in and with such so much on the line, it, it was it was definitely disappointing to see it. Um, what went into it. I think uh, there are a ton of distractions, which I, I know we'll get to, uh, but I think the team was distracted. I think the team, um, after some of the initial mistakes um, in, the, in both the first and second half, uh, they just were unable to overcome adversity. And, and then the quarterback switch for Kansas State. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Adrian Martinez stays in, if – if he doesn't put up this, the same numbers and, and helps Kansas state to, to win such a, you know, by such a big margin anyway. Right. Um, but the, the bears were certainly not prepared um, and did not make the adjustment when Will Howard came in, in the game, um, you know, th- three touchdown passes and, and he and Deuce Vaughn were able to move the wildcats up and down the, the field at will. So that those are the kind of the three reasons I think that went into the bears playing really bad football. And now we'll have to see if they can get off the mat and respond in the final two weeks of the season against two really good in-state rivals. 
Um, I actually probably don't think this game would have gone as lopsided as it did if Adrian Martinez hadn't gotten injured and, and had to leave the game. I think that Baylor just had a very difficult time defending the pass, and I don't think Adrian Martinez is as good of a passer. Now, of course, I'm not saying that Baylor would have won the game. I definitely don't think that just based on how they performed on both sides of the football. But I think it would have been probably maybe maybe a little bit closer if if Martinez stays in. But regardless, they they've got to be prepared for whatever scenario. They they know that Kansas State has two quarterbacks who they can play and who can play very well and who are two different molds of quarterbacks. Um, they should have been they should have been prepared for defending against either one. And like you said, there were there were a lot of factors, things they were in their head about things. Um, another Dylan Doyle quote, he said after the game that he pro he thinks that maybe they were thinking about how important this game was in the Big Twelve picture and, and getting to the Big Twelve championship game. They they were maybe thinking about thinking about that too much. Um, and Dave Aranda kind of said the same thing in his press conference after the game, that they were focusing on things bigger than just this game itself. Um, and that's something that the team's going to have to work on, not just this season, because obviously there's only two more regular season games and then probably a, a bowl game not probably not going to make the big 12 championship at this point. They'd have to win both and then have Kansas state lose both. Um, but also just something that Dave Veranda's coaching staff and the team is going to have to work on in, in future years. Um, I think that this game as bad as it was is not a representation of what this team is or of what kind of coach Dave Aranda is. Um, I don't think it's a representation of Baylor football going forward. I just think it was a bad week, a bad game, and something that they're going to have to learn a lot from. Yeah, and that, and that, quote, by, that quote by Dylan Doyle was, was everyone knew, knows what was on the line tonight, probably too much. Um that was his quote, and then Drake Toll did a good job following up on that uh, with, with Coach Aranda, and I'm glad that he got that in because um, not too many questions were were fielded after, after the game, um, but he he did ask, he was able to ask uh, Coach Aranda specifically about what Dylan Doyle said, and Coach Aranda um, said basically, you know, that he imagined it did, and and if it did, it would be on par for the season uh, about you know, kind of how back and forth this team has been um, with inconsistency and maturity and ego that they've kind of dealt with um, this season, which is really odd that we kind of keep hearing that same message over and over again. Um, right, Pernay? Because I think that was one thing that, that we probably felt confident on coming into this, this year is that, you know, this is a champ. This was a championship team. And although they moved some of the pieces around, um, at the very least, that they 
they should have the makeup of a championship team and not have to, you know, be told, you know, Hey, this is important that we focus on these little things. Right. Um, uh, you know, it, it's important for all these reasons, you know, you would have thought that going into the season that that they were going to be locked in, um, there. And obviously they haven't uh, all year. That's why they have a six and four record. They're in the top half of the big 12. I would expect them to finish there, but it might be fifth um, if, if they lose out. But to your point, I think, I think they can get off the mat. I think they can, you know, at least play competitive football in the next two weeks. This was just a very odd performance, just falling flat on their face. Uh, not, not too, too many other ways to describe it. Um, yeah, it was a bad week. It was a bad week. That That is the only way we can describe it. But I I, uh, I want to touch on that point about, I guess, us coming into the season thinking that Baylor was going to be a mature team, a team that was going to play good fundamental football and have a lot of veterans who could take them to a high level and compete for a big another Big 12 championship and maybe more. Um, it is surprising that this team is or has been as undisciplined as we've seen them be. I know they lost a lot of veterans this offseason, whether through the draft or just the veterans who, who aged out and had to graduate. But they also returned a lot of veterans, especially in the trenches. Um, they also have now an experienced coaching staff. So it is it is kind of surprising to see just how up and down this team has been, especially from a mental perspective, just how inconsistent they've been in terms of going out and playing their best on on every Saturday. So that's something that Dave Aranda is going to have to have to think about and figure out how he can get his team to play consistently week in and week out. He actually said that this was probably the best week of practice they've had, which surprised me. And I'm sure it surprised people, obviously. Who... I feel like coaches always say that, though, right? Really? Do you think uh, he would have said that after a loss like this if he didn't actually feel that way? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, probably. I mean, I may, no, maybe, maybe not. But I feel like every week, right, it's kind of like self-confirming, like self-confirmation bias or whatever. It was like throughout the week you're having a good practice, but you don't really know what a good practice is until you get to the, uh, the game and, and see the, you know, see the results. So you might feel like you're having a good practice, but obviously, obviously they didn't have a good practice. It's just my, my takeaway. But I also feel like that's, it's very much coach speak. I feel like a lot of times people say that. Um, I felt, I felt like we heard that with, with coach rule and, um, you know, other coaches before, coaches at other programs. I feel like that's just a staple you always hear in press pressers, right? Like, oh, we had a really good week of practice, you know, best one, best one to this point. Um, and it very well could have been the best one 
to the point, but I feel like that's that's pretty like lame and coach coach speak. I'm more, I'm more curious about what you thought about the uh, um, distractions. To to me to me, Pernay, this was a team that was obviously distracted. What what did you get the sense of you know just from watching the game and you know um, and you know covering the the team leading up to the game? You know what did you get the sense of? It, to me, definitely afterwards. Um, it, it just it just felt like it was a team that was distracted. Definitely seems like they were distracted. I was thinking maybe because of they were just overthinking the importance of this game. Is do you think there are other things that they were distracted by? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, they were also distracted by the blackout and the sellout aspects of this game because I think there were some players, you know, tweeting about like, "Hey, let's make this a blackout," and um, that that I saw, and then you know, just the whole back and forth. You know, a lot of the talk was about you know selling out the game and then not selling out the game, and then someone else buying tickets to give away, and then the blackout and should we wear black or what colors do we wear, have and why don't we have black uniforms? Um, right. And then, uh, and then of course, I, I think the biggest attraction on, on the, on the team's mind was, was probably thinking about, Hey, you know, the glory of, Hey, we can return to the big 12 championship game and not focusing on the tasks at hand. And that's why I say, you know, it, it's hard for me to believe that it was a true, like perfect week of practice when the team is thinking about, you know, three steps ahead um, type thing. So that's, um, that's kind of what I was, what I was thinking and just kind of what I felt from, from being there live um, at, at the game as well. Got it. And maybe that's, that's why, we should leave it up to the school to decide on these types of things, right? Like what uniforms they're going to wear, whether it's going to be a blackout or gold out or, or what, may, what it may be. Uh, maybe that's why I guess you, you leave that kind of stuff up to the school and, and maybe the students, um, but keep the, keep the student athletes out of it just so that they're not distracted by these kinds of things on, on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that it, it was probably the, uh, the idea of this game being so huge in terms of the big 12 picture and giving them a, a huge opportunity to get back into the big 12 championship game. They were probably, maybe they were too in their head about that. I, it, that that's probably what happened. Um, instead of, instead of focusing on Kansas state as an opponent, instead of going into this game, just trying to beat Kansas State and being prepared for playing 60 minutes of football and on the field on both sides of the ball, it probably was just the fact that they were overthinking the importance of this game. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I one, first, the blackout was great, by the way. Um, I thought the students really, and everybody, everybody, basically everybody was in black at the stadium. Um, and it was basically a sellout with the exception of a few holes on the third, third deck. Right. Um, and, and the students were, 
were jam packed in there. Uh, they were just waiting for like a big play to, you know, to blow the lid off of McLean stadium and the blackout looks great. So, you know, maybe that's something they can do again in the, in the future, because it was a great um, environment feel leading up to kickoff. And obviously it just didn't go the way anybody wanted to, but I thought the fan turnout was, uh, was, was very good. And second, yeah, I, I think, or I would, I would argue that, um, Baylor was almost trying to play too perfect against Kansas state. Um, right. And real, when things didn't go right initially, that's where they didn't respond to the adversity, um, and, and, uh, and rising up to the challenge, right. They, they started to press and they started to do, you know, get it, get it all back at once. Right. Which we all know you can't do that. Um, you have to, you know, you kind of have to take, take your time, do it one, um, one play at a time when you're trying to come back from that. And, um, what I mean by that is, you know, Blake Shapin throws the first interception on the first drive of the game after, uh, Baylor stops Kansas state on downs. Right. Uh, with, with a sack, by the way, I think that was the only sack they got all night and they go, Baylor goes down is in our, in the red, in the red zone and Blake Shapin, you know, just misfires a pass, um, gets tipped, gets intercepted. And then Kansas state has a, uh, 97 yard drive, um, the very next, next possession, um, you know, so it completely turned the, the game around, but from that point on, Blake Shapin definitely did not look the same. Um, right. And then even in the second half, right, they're finally driving, they're going down the, going down the field, um, because Baylor gets the ball first, they're only down 17 to three. There's a whole second half to play. I, I felt fairly confident that, that they can move the ball. Um, they just weren't being themselves and they had a terrible holding penalty, um, uh, at the Kansas state 36, um, that backed them up first and 20 and then basically could not do anything. Uh, couldn't, couldn't get the yardage back. They faced a fourth and 10. They went for it. Um, no chance they, they converted that. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, three minutes off the clock and Baylor was in a pretty dire position instead of kind of using that to gain momentum. They, you know, they had the crucial penalty mistake with, with the hold that, that set them back and they just couldn't, couldn't over overcome that. So those were the two, you know, key drives where Baylor was looking well and they were driving and then, um, you know, they, they made one little mistake and, and couldn't overcome it for the rest of the rest of the night. And then, of course, Deuce Vaughn and Will Howard just uh, kind of torched Baylor's defense. Um, and that was that was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. But they're going to have to move on. They're going to have to look forward to look forward at this rivalry game against TCU. This Saturday, it's an 11 a.m. game, um, but Fox Big Noon kickoff will be there. They're going to have to get up for it, practice hard, and learn from learn from this past week. Hopefully, they, they can stay focused on TCU. It'll probably be a bit easier this time now that it's – now that the chances are looking 
really low that they'll be able to make a a Big 12 championship run. Um, it'll probably be a bit easier to just focus on an undefeated TCU team who is Baylor's rival and focus on trying to hand TCU its first loss of the season and stop what's looking like a a streamline to the CFP. One hundred percent. You make a good point. Like maybe they can just focus on the task at hand. They don't have to worry about all the extracurricular activities. Um, and it's kind of funny saying that even with a big noon kickoff coming in because that's extracurricular activities. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe they can play a little freer and um, maybe they can respond against Texas like Kansas State responded against Baylor because. You know, the Wildcats suffered a really tough loss the week before against Texas, and they needed this game just as badly. I'm sure they have visions of, of Big 12 championships in their heads, and the only difference was that they were able to come out, execute the game plan, and respond to the adversity of their quarterback going out and getting a turnover on downs to start the game um, to to win the game. But do you like uh, do you like Baylor um, in these these next two games? What are your thoughts? Um, I will have to say that I don't think we will beat TCU. TCU just seems like a better team at this point, and I don't, I haven't seen anything to show that Baylor can stop Max Duggan in the passing game of the Horn Frogs against Texas. I don't know. I think that it's a, it's a possible, it's possible to see Baylor winning that game. I. Don't have a prediction for that one yet. Texas might still be in the fight for the Big 12 championship at that point or making the Big 12 championship game at that point. So they might have something more to play for. Um. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens over these next couple weeks. But I find it difficult to believe that Baylor is going to be able to beat TCU on Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one, but I think it's going to be closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say. Um, and Texas, I think, again, it will be closer than the experts think. Um, but I would definitely right now, I'd have to put us as um, the underdog in, in each of those games. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but Pranay, if you could only win one of these games to close out the year, which one would you uh, rather have? I'd rather be TCU. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It'd be nice. Game, knock them out of the college football um, playoff. And, you know, I don't think it knocks them completely out of contention, but it definitely destroys their path a little bit more. That would be a big, big rivalry victory to to have right there for sure. Yeah, um, in my eyes, the ideal scenario is for Baylor to beat TCU this weekend, and then TCU. When went out and win the Big 12 championship and get into the CFP, I want to see a Big 12 team that's not named Oklahoma make it into the CFP just to get, just to get the Big 12 on the map. And if it was TCU, who is Baylor's rival, I think that would be good for Baylor, especially, especially if Baylor is the team that 
beats TCU in the regular season. But regardless, I think that TCU being on the national stage is good for Baylor just because of the rivalry between our two schools. Sure, sure. 100%. And uh, the, the college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow, so I'm sure we'll be back on to discuss discuss our reactions to those um, as well. Some, some movement, not much movement, but some movement did take place in the rest of the college football world this week. Yes, we, we will be back. Um, thanks, guys, for listening as always. Hopefully, Baylor will have a better showing this Saturday against TCU. And as always, sick and bears.